Welcome to episode 99, Dan. How are you? I'm great. How about you? Um, got a lot of random bullshit going on, so happy to be here, happy to be recording, but we are kind of just making sure we get this one logged so we can have a very special 100th episode next week. And, uh, yeah, so we're just going to do a little bit of letterbox reviews today and any movie news that maybe came up and just kind of go with that. So, last we were on here, I think I covered Pee-wee's Big Adventure. We did a little rest in peace for Paul Rubens. Yeah. And that was the last thing we watched. That would have been July 31st, and then we watched more since then. So the first one on the list is Evil Dead Rise. Let me yep. pull that up real quick. Three siblings find an ancient vinyl that gives birth to bloodthirsty demons that run amok in a Los Angeles apartment building and thrust them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of a family imaginable. This came out this year, directed by Lee Cronin, who I think is a fairly new director. And no. it is the fifth Evil Dead movie in the series. And I gave it one and a half stars out of five, and I didn't like it. How about you? I'd probably give it a two, just because I liked some of the cinematography, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I really hated this movie, and the cinematography is what pushed it past half a star for me. Yeah. I think I don't know. Visually at times some of the effects I found actually really annoying and stupid and then other times I was like, oh that was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the the camera work, not really the effects. So the camera work was pretty. I'll give it that. Um is it Lily Sullivan? Is that the lady who becomes a deadite? Uh, I think so. There's a lot of names I, I don't right. recognize in this. Oh, no. She's the sister, I believe. So, yeah, the sort of the main she's, character. She's the almost final girl. That isn't the final girl. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, well... Is it Alyssa Sutherland, then? Yeah. Yeah, that's her. Yeah. She looked like she was having a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't know if I would say it was a really good job. I I know a lot of people and other shows I watch that talk about movies found her performance, like, amazing. 
Some people yeah. were like, this is like better than Pennywise, like Bill Skarsgård and all that. And mm. I don't <laughs> see it. It, I wouldn't say it was a bad job and it was maybe slightly above like average, but yeah, it was fine. But I don't know. Maybe it's, I find the script stupid. Yeah. Like, I try not to be too negative on this, but I was really annoyed by this movie. And I think part of it is, like, all the praise that I was hearing about it. I kind of, I like Evil Dead, at least the first three. Um, did you ever watch the the last reboot, remake, or whatever it was that they did? I believe I did. I don't remember it well, though. I started it, and then they did this, like, gross knife through the tongue thing and yeah. I'm really not into gory stuff like if it's over the top we talked about this during the film but yeah we did uh, The if it's silly or funny over the top gore I can handle it um, but if it's just like ah god like I really don't enjoy it so I turned off the first remake they did I guess the fourth one in the series but this movie has that too and it didn't even bother me like that I just found it lame like the cheese grater, the cheese grater. Yeah, yeah. yeah um they did the little popping the eyeball out and then it flies into somebody's mouth and yeah one thing worth mentioning about that is there's stuff like that that exists in Evil Dead 2 and um Army of Darkness but I think the practical effects nature of it is what sells something like that. When you just create a silly looking CGI eyeball and make it fly into somebody's mouth, I, it just doesn't really work for me. Um, a movie that was Sam Raimi, um, what was that from, not from hell, uh, Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. That had some really like goofy ass CGI in it too. Which I I rewatched that again not too long ago, and I really like that movie, and it has a lot of stuff I enjoy about it. But even there too, like when it's the CGI over the top gore, for some reason it doesn't work for me. And we even discussed that with our Stephen King uh, 2004 Salem's Lot that we watched last night. Is just that. Yeah. At least speaking for myself, I don't know what it is. It's like something uh, in the subconscious that you like recognize when it's like a real physical thing. So even if it is like a smoke machine on the outside of a window and it's like blowing and this guy's obviously on wires, your brain likes that and accepts it. Whereas if it's just bad CGI, you're like, uh, like it just makes you so aware that you're watching CGI and takes you out of the moment. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Yeah. I think that is what's effective about old evil dead and not effective about this one. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Speaking of the director I watched, I didn't know he did this movie until after we watched it, but I watched hole in the ground, which apparently was his other, you know, major thing probably got him this job. Yeah. And I thought it was a lot better than this, but yeah. it's rated lower. Hmm. 
Interesting. Just it seems like audiences really like the Evil Dead franchise. I guess I I really can't explain why this got so much praise. I I think it is that just there's suckers for the Evil Dead thing that they'll just accept whatever. Um, before we continue, your mic's doing a little bit of a staticky thing. Is there any oh, little thing you can see. do to adjust that? Uh, yeah, let me see. It's not too bad, but if we can adjust it, that'd be nice. I imagine for the listener. While you're adjusting that, I'll mention that I also watched that Evil Dead, like some of that Evil Dead show they made. I think that was Ash versus Evil Dead or Ash versus the Evil Dead. And that had a lot of the style and bombastic nature of the original trilogy. And I thought it was pretty good. I just kind of stopped watching it because my access to it was limited. And I don't know. I think that that's probably the route that they've talked about making another Evil Dead movie with Bruce Campbell. Maybe not Sam Raimi directing, but um, I really think that's the route they should go and like add other characters to Bruce Campbell participating. And it is a mixture between comedy and horror because... Even the first Evil Dead, which is not that funny at all, like it is more of a straight horror, it's so weird and silly and off the walls that it doesn't really work that well as a horror movie for me. It is the wild creativity and the cartoonishness of it that has always worked for Evil Dead for me. And in this, it's just... It almost felt like the modern horror of, like... uh, the conjuring or something with like slightly more of a dark humor twist but just like not enough you there oh i'm gonna stop the recording and we'll just go over to the next It'll be seamless for you, the listener. Hey, we're back. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Ash versus the Evil Dead. Did you ever watch that? Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of it? Um, I thought it was pretty okay i in general i'm not a big fan of the evil dead series so like i'm i'm not really the one to ask that's fair but did you like it more than probably this evil dead rise probably yeah i'd say it was more tonally in line with whatever yeah. is the appeal of evil dead yeah but um yeah i don't know unless you got anything else to say on that on Evil Dead Rise, the I found it really hard to give any fucks about any character in this. Like, it was really hard to uh, hold my attention. There was almost no character development at all. It just, I yeah, I didn't care about any of the characters living or dying. 
which is kind of important when you plan on killing a family full of people. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, wasn't there somewhat of a to-do about one of the characters being, like, non-binary or something like that? And obviously that creates a bunch of clickbait. Yeah. But, like, during oh, the movie, course. I didn't even notice or, like... Yeah. You know, like, oh, wait, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I think we found out when we looked up, like, reviews of it and looked at the negative reviews and, like, half of them were just like, this is woke bullshit. Stupid bro dudes whining yeah. about woke. Yeah. And that is absolutely not what I had a problem with with this movie. I just yeah. didn't think it was very good. I didn't even fucking notice it. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I, that is one thing I'll say super quick. I mean, we t- we've talked about it before, but that's that's what's so annoying about the bro dude, like, champions are good against wokeness or whatever is that if a movie is just like not to your liking and it's like because it's not as good as the original thing you loved like just actually learn how to criticize a film and do that because this movie sucks and you don't gotta worry about any like woke anything about it like that's not why this sucks it's yeah. like it sucks because it's like just a half-assed by the numbers remake of something that used to be really unique and interesting, and now yeah. it's just fucking. Let's make another one so we can make money. Like it's just corporate drivel to me. It has nothing yeah. to do with wokeness. And I would say that they didn't even utilize the oh Evil Dead in the City thing very well. Like, yeah, might as well have they been didn't, a cabin in the woods. Yeah, they didn't use the franchise in the, the way that they should have. Yeah. I mean, if if you're going to be given an IP, lean in more, I guess. I don't know. But I guess there can be something said for people trying their own thing. But this wasn't your own thing. This was just a, a by-the-numbers horror movie that happens to have the evil dead name slapped on it yeah i um we're not gonna do this with every movie but this could be like a fun thing to add to some of these letterbox reviews especially for newer stuff what would it what would the next evil dead thing need to be for you to be like oh that's that's interesting and i'll give you an example uh prey that predator sequel Mm-hmm. As soon as I heard about it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Going back to yeah. that time and setting, and I'm already in, and then they pulled it off, and it was a good, it was a good movie. Did and, kind of the same thing with Hellraiser, and... Yeah. yeah. And so, I don't know, it's like, with Evil Dead, I would have liked more of, like, something more like Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness yeah. in the city... That could have been really great, but if you're, you've already done the city thing now, and wasted it, so I don't know. Like maybe, yeah, Evil Dead on a pirate ship. Um, maybe not a pirate ship, but you know what I mean. Like something. Yeah, cruise past. ship. <laughs> or oh, yo, yeah. yeah, you're talking Evil about Dead period cruise. Days. That's kind of Evil Dead cruise. Yeah. Kind of fun. And yeah, just set it in the seventies or eighties or something. Yeah. Like. Those like kind of eighties color palette juxtaposed with Evil Dead like rotting green and red like you could get real Wes Anderson with the color palette or uh, 
Yeah. Who's the Breaking Bad showrunner? Uh, yeah. Like, but Vince he always Gilligan? does. Yeah, Vince Gilligan. He always does interesting color palette stuff. Because that was part of this, too, is it's like, if I was doing Evil Dead Rise, I would have put it in, like, a bright white modern apartment building. Like those really generic ones that they keep tearing down all these old homes and putting up new ones that almost look like Lego blocks. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'd do something more visually interesting and like contrasty with what the Evil Dead is and what it will do. But, um, is that everything on Evil Dead though? Yeah, I think so. I don't have much to say about it really. It was just, I didn't absolutely hate it. It just, I don't know. I didn't see the point in making it. Hmm. Well, luckily we've moved on to another movie that I hated more than Evil Dead Rise. That's true, yeah. <laughs> and it makes you appreciate it a little bit more. This is definitely one of the, these, like, isn't, like, Vegemite from, like, the bottom of barrels, like, scraping... And just like something nasty like that, like this, Marmite, Marmite is the leftovers from brewing. Yeah, this like is brewer's yeast, basically. Yeah, this is like really bad Marmite too. And this is Legally Blondes. I think the third film in the Legally Blonde series. Moving. I don't from... know. Go ahead. I don't know if you can qualify it as in the Legally Blonde series. Like, right. how did they get the rights? I don't... We'll get into that. I'll read the plot <laughs> real quick. Moving from England to California, the youngest cousins of Ellie Woods... Ah, oh, see? It's already connected. Yeah. Must defend themselves when their school's reigning forces turn on the girls and try to frame them for a crime. This came out in 2009. It was suggested by a friend of ours. I'll leave him nameless because I am going to shit on this and he convinced himself that he kind of likes it and kind of blew my mind a little bit uh, yeah it is clearly part of the series because they're cousins of Ellie Woods and then they have artwork of Ellie Woods with their dog up all over their apartment they live in to remind you yeah. of Reese Witherspoon I just wonder if this is some sort of legal workaround or something. I can't imagine them actually, like, being awarded the rights for this. <laughs> Do you think it's, like, as simple as, we'll put an S at the end of Blonde? Because if it was yeah. a true sequel, it would have been Legally Blonde. Out of the UK or, like, something like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. But they righteous gemstoned it and just put an S at the end of the word. Yeah. Likely blondes. With all <laughs> kinds of stupids. Um, I mean, we could spend so much time just shitting on this. It's terrible on every level. Oh, it was just it's like, no redeemable qualities. And it's not like... Without getting into this too much, too, but we put this on our silly movie nights and I was talking with our other buddy and I was like do I really need to change the name of silly movie nights to fucking bad movie night so everybody <laughs> understands what the assignment is <laughs> like we're not watching stuff that's like garbage that you kind of like like we're watching 
shit that is made that is made seriously with the intention to be a real movie and then end up being terrible and thus kind of like funny or hilarious because it's like who the hell thought this was a good idea perfect examples are The Room Neil Breen movies uh, Robot in the Family all kinds of 80's action movies that were just like ill-advised and filmed on a VHS camera yeah yeah. And this is like, to me, is the opposite of that, where it's, they know they're making a piece of shit movie, they have money behind them, and this is the most cynical, cash-grabby, like, we'll make this, and a girl will throw a tantrum in the Walmart, because her mom won't get it for her, because she liked the first two Legally Blondes, and it's sitting in a DVD bin, and it's like, it's only like five bucks, mom, <laughs> And just fine, and then she gets it, and then the kid throws another tantrum because it's not like the other ones, man. Just, it's terrible. There's no like director behind this that had like a vision of making a great movie and then failed spectacularly. It's just the the absolute worst of like corporate cynical movie making, in my opinion. This is very interesting. Looking at the IMDb, Amanda Brown, who has a writing credit on Legally Blonde and Legally Blonde the Musical and Legally Blonde 2, mm-hmm. is credited. I wonder how she feels about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, directed by Savage Steve Holland. His name's Savage. Savage Steve. Oh, and... He's got bleach blonde hair and a goatee. Yeah, so he knows what he's doing. He did a National <laughs> Lampoon's Ratco movie. <laughs> I mean, every movie he's done is that shitty straight to DVD garbage DVD bin at Walmart movie. Yep. And that's that's not what we're looking for and I mean, and that that is was the thing is like we were trying to get to a point where it's like this makes me appreciate some of the silly ass Disney movies we've been watching because those are bad and they probably shouldn't go on bad movie night. Those are they it is almost separate at this point because that is different. It's not the room. Yeah, it's not robot in the family that's it is like these weird disney comedies all have this weird through line where it's like they're kind of charming but also like really fucking stupid but like there's actually interesting choices being made by some of the actors but it is it's just put through that disney family friendly filter so like there's weird subtext to stuff it's almost like yeah. the dicks getting drawn into little mermaid yeah it's like there's something weird and subversive underneath this like family friendly content which is what makes those so much better so tried to point that out and like there's none of that here with legally blondes it's just fucking dreck yeah (laughs) but you know that that, we're gonna have to like reformulate that in a bad movie night but I do think even watching this stuff, it's it's important to watch stuff like this because it does create a menagerie of like things you've seen 
So when you do see stuff like Evil Dead Rise, you're like, I'm glad it's getting made, even at that level. Yeah, it widens the scale for sure. Just yeah. this one is way, way at the bottom end, and I didn't know that There's the depths of that bottom <laughs> end existed. Yeah, and yeah, it helps. It does. Like it helped me. Like you know what? Maybe horse sense is actually kind of funny to have a couple beers with your buddies and laugh at it. Like yeah, like I could not make myself laugh at this Legally Blondes movie. It was like this just pisses me off. And I think we'll just leave with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Move on to a good movie. <laughs> you have not seen Air yet, correct? I have not. I gave that four out of five stars. It's a very good, very solid, cheesy biopic movie. And I'll go ahead and read a couple reviews if I can find some nice short ones. One person gave it four stars, uh, Tyler on Letterboxd. This is basically Moneyball for sneakerheads. I'd agree with that. It is like a more, almost like a Disney version of Moneyball. Yeah. And then this one person gave it two and a half stars. I was so nervous that the company Nike was going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> like, which, that is definitely worth mentioning is that that is the feeling you kind of walk away with if you're more of our mindset to be like yeah that was a great movie and great acting and it has like a like snappy dialogue and moves right along great soundtrack although that's overdone like somebody in one of these reviews like i totally like how was i supposed to remember that this takes place in the 80s they keep playing hits from 1984 like how am i supposed to know like obviously being cynical like it's just every minute they get there's a great 80s song drop and just all 80s 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 so it's nostalgia it's this one guy having a vision for something and people don't believe in him but he's he's he knows what he's gonna do and by the end of it it's just like yeah but it's fucking nike and it's a sneaker deal like Am I supposed to, like, give a fuck about this struggle, struggling, like, guy that has a pretty fucking sweet gig, and he's like, oh, he's gonna lose his job if this deal doesn't happen, but you're like, eh, I'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's really hard to, like, kind of figure out, like, why you give a fuck, but it's, like, it's effective at trying to make you give a fuck. And I, I at least am intrigued by the, oh, I didn't know that about the Air Jordan deal. So it's very light history. Kind of intriguing. And it's very well directed by Ben Affleck. Guy's a good director. I've still never seen Argo or... Uh, what was that other one? I think it was right before Argo. It's like Bank That Ben Affleck did? Yeah. I'll pull um, it up right here. Um, the Town. Yeah, I've seen The Town. I heard that's pretty good, too. I've just never seen it. Yeah, Boston area, kind of heisty movie, but, you know, with community drama. Yeah. Yeah, I I think he's, uh, he's pretty solid. Way better at directing than acting, although I don't think he's as bad of an actor as a lot of people say he is. 
I think he's all right. I mean, I I wouldn't say he's like a top tier, you know, no, best yeah. actor, but he's. he's all right. I think we're all kind of waiting for that one movie he does. We're like, oh wow, holy shit! Yeah, like he hasn't done that yet. Um, but I mean, I I love him because he plays such a specific type of guy. Like I love him in Gone Girl, and yeah, he's great. Um, I thought his Batman was pretty fucking good. Like yeah, the movie he was in was not good. Yeah, but I thought his, I thought his Bruce Wayne was really good. I don't know if I liked his Batman as much, but that's oh, another yeah. conversation. <laughs> Can you uh, elaborate on that? A quick, like just a little taste. Well, Batman and Bruce Wayne are different characters and you have to be able to play them both and i think he did a much better job of playing bruce wayne than he did playing batman what was your thing with the bat his batman i I mean it was all right it just wasn't very menacing or anything Mm. i mean i guess there's a ton of different flavors of batman through the years and different writers and all that but yeah, we might have to have a big old Batman episode <laughs> sometime. Yeah. We could definitely dive into that. Uh, after that was another one we both watched. Yeah. It was a Japanese film, Baby Assassins. Chisato and Mahiro are two high school girls who are about to graduate. They also happen to both be highly skilled assassins. When the organization they work for orders them to share a room, the relationship between the pair quickly turns sour. However, when they find themselves targeted by the Yakuza, the girls quickly realize that they will have to find a way to work together. This came out in 2021, so fairly new. I gave it four out of five stars, and I really liked it. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. I I think the playing with the comedy in there was perfectly on point it wasn't too ham-fisted but it was you know it was present Mm -hmm. um uh i liked the dynamic between the two main characters you you got that you know kind of silly apartment you know vibe to it yeah um the choreography i thought was pretty pretty good and Mm -hmm. the cinematography was you know yeah decent wasn't anything outstanding but i thought it was pretty good i tried to think of a blend and i said it during the movie but now i can't really remember i know that this felt very much like tarantino-esque yeah um it was through a certain filter though and i'm trying to think of what that was There's a little bit of guy richie in there like uh yeah yeah uh, Definitely the way the, the way the story is framed and kind of broken up into like different perspectives is very Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Well, and just like the the casual humor and like moments of like really blunt but intense violence, like there's that yeah. Tarantino-iness of it. Man, but whatever it was if i can think of it while we're talking about it i will but it, but while it has those elements it's also this cute like coming of age friend thing like yeah almost yeah. like uh super bad but with like yeah. cute teenage japanese girls <laughs> and one of them's like more like actual like cute 
extrovert type, and then the other one's like, I'm just an assassin, and I'm not good at anything else, and yeah, like kind of more introverted and tomboyish. Um, man, but yeah, so it, like I don't know, it has almost that like buddy comedy, but from a female perspective, obviously Japanese mm-hmm. female perspective. Um, but yeah, with like some guy Richie Tarantino flavor, like. I feel like my rating could go up to five stars on a repeat viewing. Yeah. Um, I just, I felt like there was just a little something that wasn't like completely holding me in the movie the whole time. Um, but I don't know that, that at times can always be just the night you're watching it. Maybe you're a little tired. Yeah. Uh, you know, like whatever, but I don't know. In fact, I'm going to change it right now to four and a half. And then kind of next time I see it, I can see it either going back down to four or up to five. Kind of, it's, it's hard to tell. Yeah. I'm really struggling to find something to be like, yeah, I wish they didn't do that or anything like it. I, I think, think yeah. all the choices were, were solid. It all boils down to, did I think it was paced? amazingly yeah and it's like no i think that there's a couple like moments of like dead air but not much like hardly any and it it does come down to that point where it's like well what would you take out or put in or change and i'm like i can't think of anything yeah so sometimes yeah like a movie will naturally have that and um yeah, I don't know. I just I know that there's films that like keep me sucked in through the whole thing, and this one yeah. I found myself kind of like looking away from the screen at moments. But you know, maybe that could also be attributable to um, maybe just culture difference. Like yeah, certain definitely. things they're hinging on. I'm just like not totally getting. Yeah. So I'm like, hmm, that was odd. Whereas if I was Japanese, maybe I'd be like, oh my god, that's awesome, or oh, I totally get that. Um, who was? There's a bunch of people in this that I don't know very well. Who was the m- main villain lady? So I um, guess yeah, she was the main villain because you think it's gonna be the Yakuza boss. And then he's like kind of gone at some point in the movie. I have no no spoiler there, but she was my favorite. She's like the Yakuza daughter or something. Yeah, they there aren't any photos in IMDb for any of these people, and a lot of them are doing stunts and voice acting on other movies rather than. So Letterbox is pretty good. You can. They got a lot yeah. of pictures. Uh, Nakiko Tsuji, I believe, is her name. And, like, I don't know if she would immediately appeal to everybody, like, if you're an American watching the movie. But she's, like, a great kind of... That was another Tarantino-y thing about it. It's like, she's like, oh, she reminded me of a great villain like uh, Hans Landa from mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards. It's just she's this like weird, super colorful, giggly Japanese Yakuza girl. 
and she just she eats up the scenery and just i yeah. love every minute she's on screen and then i liked the i like both the leads but really liked and sort of identified with the tomboyish introverted one yeah yeah um and yeah there was the sequel and we're gonna be getting to that at some point in the not too distant future anything else on baby assassins no highly recommend it go watch it absolutely um then we got to the death of stalin when dictator joseph stalin dies his parasitic cronies square off in a frantic power struggle to become the next soviet leader as they bumble brawl and backstab their way to the top the question remains just who is running the government this came out in 2017 directed by armando ianusi and i gave it four and a half stars out of five i loved it this is the same thing as baby assassins where that half star at the end is on a repeat viewing could easily go all the way up to five stars or maybe down to four or just stay where it is at four and a half what do you yeah. think about the death of stone oh i love this movie uh we were talking about comedies one time and how they're we have and and just how they you know modern comedies just aren't great and older comedies don't seem to age well and we were talking about like what's the last comedy that you saw that you really really enjoyed and the first thing i came up with was death of stalin was the the last comedy mm. that i really really liked and i don't even know if you can call this a pure comedy because it's not but it's, it's dark comedy political yeah. satire and i think part of what we've been talking about with the comedy thing is that in order usually and i don't even know if i could think um well i could but we'll get into that at some other point uh in a lot of cases in order for a comedy to like maintain throughout the years I think it needs some other genre mixed in there with it or have like a really solid premise. Yeah. Something that is fun to engage with and think about beyond the jokes and the humor. So I think that is why like political satires, um, dark comedy about some heavier subjects, dramedies all mm -hmm. tend to hold up and work really well. And then, yeah, like, we'll get to one that's like pure straight up comedy and it's just like oof like that does not age at all cause well it ages too much I, I mean is that mm -hmm. yeah it's just like it has nothing to really say that's of any value or long lasting value and um but we'll, we'll get into that when we get to that film on this list but the death of Stalin itself it is obviously more comedy than drama yeah. But it has its moments that are very fucked up, and it's very tongue-in-cheek with that. And so this isn't something you watch to learn about what happened after the death of Stalin, necessarily. It's more of a commentary on that type of, like, dictatorial power and not being able to question who's in charge. Mm -hmm. And I think, obviously, released around the time Trump was elected on purpose... And this Armando Iannucci, the director, um, mm -hmm. I have not seen any of his other work, 
but a little bit of reading up on him is that he is very much like speaking truth to power through comedy and satire type and yeah i think he did a really good job here um it's it's like one joke i think of in particular is stalin has a stroke in his office and falls over and he's like laying on the ground in his own excrement mm-hmm. and they keep coming in one by one and they have to feign like oh our dear leader oh god and like kneel down and like cry on him but oh oh god like they get it on their knee or their suit and, and then it's like that's all like built upon like because steve buscemi he plays khrushchev right yeah, Khrushchev. Um, he like he's wearing his pajamas underneath his like <laughs> coat. He's like, oh, I've got all of my pajamas. I'm just like, you know, it's like very like base silliness on that level. But when added to the circumstance and what it's surrounded by, it's like just delicious. It's like perfect. Yeah. Um, I mean, acting in it is all really great. Oh, star-studded out yeah. the wazoo. Is it Sir Simon Russell Beale who plays the secret police guy? Uh, uh, Beria, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a total piece of shit in this and perhaps the best role in it. They all do a yeah. great job, but he, uh, he really fucking kills it as this evil piece of shit that has dirt on everybody. Yeah. And uh, that was one thing where we were reading up on it. He ends up being the scapegoat for, like, resetting everybody's, like, positions and power and everything. Yeah. Because they, they want to get rid of him because he has dirt on all of them. And in real life, they did that. But in this movie, spoiler, they kill him at the end and have, like, a bit of a scene with Stalin's daughter and... In real life, they put him on trial, and it was all completely unfair. He didn't even have a defense or anything, and they ended up executing yeah. him that way. But, um, And then one other thing, just outside of the movie, is that apparently Stalin's daughter uh, defected to the United States in like the late 60s. And yeah. um, I didn't know that. And it was, they did a different thing with this. And I'm, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why they felt... We were discussing that with Stalin's daughter, why they felt they needed to change things to have her be there at the end for a thing that's like... I kind of get the point they're making, but at the same time, I, I think you already made the point. Yeah. But, I mean, that doesn't detract from the movie at all, really. It's just more of... If you were a history nerd and you were watching that, I could see it being a little like, what the what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but that once again, it's clearly not what this movie's out to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean set design, all that is really good. It's not oh, cheaply it's, yeah. done. Um Music is good. Yeah. over the top memorable or anything but very fitting yeah I mean what really carries the whole thing is definitely the script it's just yeah. it's a good satire comedy yeah 
Oh, I'll also mention it was nice to see Jason Isaacs play yeah, a yeah. funny asshole rather than just a total asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he's so fucking good, and I love him and stuff, but man, he is really good at playing a piece of shit. And in this, he's kind of <laughs> more like just a war-mongering general, military, head of the military guy. Yeah. And he has, like, some of the really funny moments. Um, yeah, I just, I highly recommend it. It's hilarious, and I suppose we can continue this comedy discussion by going to the next one. <laughs> uh, the Kentucky Fried Movie. I jumbled this up with another uh, Zucker movie, Top Secret, that has um, Val Kilmer in it. And I still mm-hmm. would like to give that one a shot because I think it has more of a narrative story structure. And yeah. that was what I had seen Red Litter Media review and kind of pointing out some of their more surreal gags that they pull off. And this one, while it does have a little bit of that, oh, that they're really creating this weird, surreal, cartoonish setup for a gag, it's kind of plays like the opening credits and advertisements before a film. And it's just a series of sketches, almost like a Monty Python movie. Yeah. But with none of the clever funniness of Monty Python, it's it's just, hey, we're having an oil crisis because it's the 70s. We should get oil from teenagers' faces. Ha, 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 ha. Sure hope uh, Jimmy Carter hears about this. Ha, 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 ha. Like, it's very dated... None of it carries over. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it it smacks you in the face with how dated it is as well, that it's like, what if we get a little person in a clown suit to whip a bunch of girls with their titties out? And that's awesome, right? Like, Oh, how subversive for the 70s. Look at this. Yeah. It's and, just very... Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I saw somebody writing up about it, one of these reviews on here. I won't try to find it, but he's like, watching this whole thing, you have to really love spoof movies to like tolerate this, and if you don't, just don't even bother. There's no yeah. narrative structure, it's just a bunch of skits tied together, so we didn't finish it. We were like, we saw the writing on the wall after about 15 minutes. Yeah. And... It is just weird. Like, half of it is, like, what this guy in the review pointed out, is that these this is their first movie, this John Landis and Zucker, and mm-hmm. they're just horny 20-year-olds making a movie. So there's, like, it they want to just work yeah. titties in every chance they could, and they probably are like, yeah. oh, if we get the titties in the movie, then they'll hang out with us after. Like, and, you know, there's... I. I'm a sexual guy, sexual creature. I love mm-hmm. titties and stuff. Like, I'm not some prude here. I'm not saying you can't sexualize things and have fun with it. But this is just like, it felt dirty. And so if I yeah. if I find it to be like dirty and sort of exploitative, then that's probably really fucking dirty and exploitative. <laughs> I think it has something to do with the time period and just the amount of like 
racism and misogyny oh, and a, and all of that peppered in that makes it feel a lot grosser. Yeah. Well, and I think it did not age well. <laughs> that is like part of it too. I didn't even get to that yet, but yeah, it's a good reminder. Is like the racist jokes in this are just I couldn't even give you an example, not because I'm afraid to say it or anything. It's just like, but it's like, let's dress up a bunch of white people as Native Americans and then put them in a situation you wouldn't expect to find Native Americans. Isn't that hilarious? And you're like, nah, it's just kind of fucked up. It's <laughs> a bunch of like white guys in red face and, you know, like, I don't know. It just always reminds me as people we'd grow up with in Utah, kind of more of a conservative place, if you didn't yeah. know. <laughs> and they'd be like, see, I don't get it. Like, back in the day, you could just say stuff and, like, you, you just say what was on your mind and people didn't take offense. And it's like, no, people took offense. They just, they didn't have a position to really complain about it back in the day. No. And if you did, it's like, yeah, you might have a bunch of fucking white jock boys come kick your ass or something. Yeah. Like, this isn't funny. And... Like, it reminded me of, this is another friend I'll leave nameless, I will say that he's from Kentucky, <laughs> and he came over while we were doing some movie night, and all the friends are showing me Blazing Saddles. Mm -hmm. I had never seen Blazing Saddles, although I had seen plenty of Mel Brooks, so I was like, oh, I need to see that, yeah, let's finally sit down and watch this, so... I watched that. That had to have been almost two years ago. Different time. But that movie's pretty fucking funny. And a little offensive. And you're like, but they're saying something with it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, they dropped the N-word, like, all over that film. And it's kind of looking at my Kentucky buddy, and he's laughing a little too hard every time they say the N-word. <laughs> Even at times when they weren't, that's not... A joke that's just a white guy being a racist piece of shit <laughs> and then that then he just like says the word not trying to be offensive or anything but like he just lets that word slip out of his mouth and he's one of those guys where it's like well I grew up in Kentucky it's just different there and it's like no it's not no, it isn't. <laughs> it's this, and needless to say I don't really hang out with that guy anymore because of that and other reasons yeah and I don't know. It, I doubt he listens to this podcast, but if he does and you know who you are, then, uh, you know, come to the light. There's always redemption. I think that is one yeah. thing that the more woke types, if that's what you want to call them, maybe get a little bit wrong is they want to, like, ostracize everybody to the outskirts of society and culture. And it's like, you can't do that. You just turn them into angry Trump tards. Yeah. And yeah, oops, I ended that with tired. So you know, it just gets all fucking complicated. <laughs> but uh, yeah, going back to Kentucky Fried Movie, it was just—it was similar. It was already better than it, but it was very similar to um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah, it's just like real one-note, offensive, conservative humor. That's just like I don't care what you say. That there's funny. And you're like, no, it isn't. This is like shitty and lame and not that clever and yeah, I don't know. 
I've gone back to stuff like Naked Gun, and yeah. it's, it's silly and dumb, and some of the jokes don't land like they used to, but it's still funny. Yeah. Like, and so, and I mean, I love Basketball. That's the South Park guys. I think that might have been Zucker's last movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That one holds up. So it's not that I don't mind just some silly, spoofy, dumb humor, but... Yeah, this is really bad. And it uh, just yeah. none of it was smart. Like I don't know how to describe it. It none of them were jokes that took any kind of like deeper thought or they weren't saying anything. Yeah. It was just very like I don't know, almost slapsticky, just garbage. And I don't know. Clearly not at the level to save it at all, but I think the elements of Zucker humor that works for me is like when they were doing the news report or whatever and she has like a hamster. She's like, Man, just be real careful with it. Just careful with it and then she just tosses it over her shoulder. Yeah. Like that kinda is funny to me. It's like obviously yeah. not genius, but it's like, oh whoa. <laughs> I didn't expect her to do that. But it is such a quick little aside thing that that's usually what works for me in movies like this. Yeah. It's almost like stuff in the background or weird quick little decisions a character makes while not acting like that's a weird thing to do at all or intensify it. Yeah. But the dude in the movie theater and the guy stands behind him and is doing all the stuff that's happening in the movie, so holding a knife to his throat, spraying his face with perfume because the lady... The, yeah. can, the guy can smell the lady's perfume in the movie and then the next movie's deep throat wow, wow, wow. like this guy's gonna have to suck this guy's dick and the guy's just like whoa, whoa. and I don't know there's there's a way you could have made that funny that same premise but it's just oh oh my god a guy sucking another guy's dick how insane it's just like yeah, it's not and yeah, maybe it is. It's like back in the seventies. Maybe that so wild and crazy to everybody. But like twenty twenty three is like that's fucking stupid. That's it. I'm sure it was very shocking in the seventies. It would yeah. just doesn't have any of that effect anymore. So maybe they were just banking on shock humor. Yeah, like. It does make you wonder, like, if you were a, a gay man in the 70s and you watched that, if you're, like, if you're looking at it as, oh my god, just, like, all of society is just totally doesn't get this shit. Yeah. And you're, like, rolling your eyes as hard as you can, or if it is, like, oh, wow, they actually put something like that in a movie so people have to see it, and then they're, like, hey, I gotta get it somewhere, that's that's kind of I'm glad they did that like I don't know yeah it's hard to say like the 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 because that is it's like sometimes shock and subversiveness like that is worth it in and of itself at times yeah and so maybe that this just wasn't prudish and it was a bunch of titties and sexual jokes and trying to offend you I there is a part of me that can get behind like trying to in a matter of speaking, blow up the skirts of the conservative people in the country. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, bad movie, though. I do need yeah. to try Top Secret 
and just see. Uh, with that, we turned that movie off after 15 minutes and decided to watch Charlie Wilson's War, which is definitely a little bit of a Forrest Gumpy softball political dramedy, but I think mm -hmm. it is very well made. The true Definitely. story of Texas Congressman Charlie Wilson's covert dealings in Afghanistan, where his efforts to assist rebels in their war with the Soviets had some unforeseen and long-reaching effects. I gave it four stars out of five because I wanted it to just go a little harder than it does. But I really like this movie. It's directed by yeah. Mike Nichols. Uh, what did you think of it? I thought it was very good. Um, I liked that Tom Hanks kind of plays a little bit of a scumbag. Yeah. Because that's not his usual M.O., for yeah. sure. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, absolutely excellent, yeah. as always. Fucking kills it in this movie. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Amy Adams is great in it. Julie Roberts oh, is great Oh, she's great, yeah. She's the, uh, she's the assistant to Charlie. Yeah. And Julia Roberts is... She's doing a little bit, kind of like a sleazeball too, a little out of character. Like yeah. This yeah. super far right Christian who wants to fund yeah. the holy war in Afghanistan, like Texas guy. Yeah. Um, I didn't know much, but Mike Nichols, the director, is not a director I know very well, but he directed The Graduate, Working Girl, Closer, The Birdcage. So he's done some stuff i oh my god that some of those are classics yeah oh catch 22 he did gilda live the gilda ratner one woman show uh something i would like to watch of his is wolf with jack nicholson i never saw that back in the day primary colors i'm intrigued by regarding henry but yeah. we also watched What Planet Are You From, which was also directed by him, and that was one of those, like, oof, this is a really dated comedy. Yeah. So he's, I don't feel like he's the most on-the-nose on director. I think he can miss the mark, and I think when he made this, I think he was a little too old school for it. He still did a great job because he's a good director. But yeah. there was a thing that came up while I was reading up on it where I understand it, but I disagree with it, is that the movie was going to end on the September 11th attacks because, for those that don't know and might not see this anytime soon, the United States gave weapons and funding to freedom fighters in Afghanistan that were fighting against the Soviets. Once the Soviets retreated the United States retreated and didn't do anything about the situation they had just created or helped create and mm -hmm. just left all those weapons over there and not even helping them rebuild any of the roads or schools or anything. I think one statistic they said is like some crazy percentage is it like half of all the men in the country are under the age of 14 or something yeah yeah i don't remember the percentage but it was yeah it was near that and it was just like you're just gonna the leave the all these weapons with a dilapidated destroyed country and just let them rebuild on their own like of course that's kind of like all the fucking grifters and fanatics and everything are gonna come in there and 
take advantage. And I think, I mean, there's a lot written on it from different authors and writers. You can look it up. And I don't even think it's, especially at this point, I don't even think it's a left or right thing to say. But, yeah. like, clearly the United States actions in the Middle East around the 80s in that time, 70s up until 2001, led to the 9-11 attacks. Yeah. Because believe it or not, here on the Jacob Wayne Show, I believe in the official theory that Saudi Arabians helped fund people to fly planes into the buildings. I'm not a truth. Yeah. And so they were going to show that footage at the end of the film and Tom Hanks is like, I don't, I think it needs to end on a more of an up note with a dark warning because then people will be turned off by it and not want to pay attention to its message. But Yeah, I can see yeah. how that decision would be hard to make because if you end it and you come off as preachy, people will discount the entire premise. Yeah. They'll just stop listening. They'll shut off their brain. Yep. That being said, but yeah, I'd like them to dig in a little more. I guess I don't know. I was it's a hard about decision it with you and Kellen, though, where I think they were trying to do this. Like, see, Charlie Wilson's a Republican, and he's still trying to do the right thing. And like, this isn't like a liberal Hollywood thing. Where like, it's there's this Republican guy that's like did the right thing here, and we should have listened to him and they were trying to like kind of softball like let's all get on the same page with this but i don't yeah. think they this was 2007 when it came out i don't think they anticipated the tea party movement or maga or any of the shit that was on the horizon with yeah. the obama years and trump and now and they uh at so hindsight is 2020 but i think they should have gone harder and because it would have been dismissed more back then but then I think it would have been more of a classic and we'd revisit it and be like oh damn they really like went for it to try to get this point across whereas yeah. now we watch it and it is a little bit softball it's like it's like yeah that's like a nice little nice little film about like some kind of fucked up shit in our history but, and it kind of leaves it at a point that like they don't address it head on and and say like this we fucked up here like it, it's just kind of left as well I don't I don't know how to describe it it was it, the whole zen master it, thing he's like yeah we will see kind of thing and and if people don't already know their history they might not get that man that is actually like, interesting because i was aware of this history before this movie came out oh like, yeah of course i think our age group there was some that just went full bore patriot like fuck the middle east and then the rest of us are like this is kind of like the spark that ignited our interest in history and understanding what the fuck's going on and yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not saying this like, oh, look at me, but as soon as 9-11 happened and then not too long after invasion of Afghanistan, I was like, wait, why? What? No. Like, 
I just I was immediately anti-war. It's just kind of in my nature. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I immediately started researching and looking into it, and read um, Charles Johnson's Blowback, which Ron Paul told everybody to read at the twenty. I think it was two thousand eight Republican debates. Or may, it might have been twenty twelve, but I'm pretty sure it's two thousand eight. And uh, yeah, like so. Sorry, I was kind of long-winded, but I wonder if the person who went into this, like, just more the conservative type, and like, oh, doesn't pay attention to it, likes Tom Hanks, went and saw this. It's like, he was kind of a sleazeball in that. I don't really like that. I yeah. wanted You've Got Mail, Tom Hanks. I don't I don't know. But it was still a good movie. It was sweet. I'm, you know, I'm glad he, he got that award at the end. It's like, did you register any of the stuff that that led to like i feel like it is on the nose but maybe for somebody who doesn't know about it maybe it isn't yeah i i feel like that is something that you have to explicitly say you can't just assume people know their history and i mean there is a bit of that to the movie where i don't know how accurate it is that charlie wilson really knew his geography and like cultural information but there's moments in the movie where he's talking to people that are like kind of dipshits and mm -hmm. he's like no Afghanistan not Iraq and then he like does the whole like he can see the map in his head he's like you know Jordan Saudi Arabia Iraq Afghanistan Iran like he is I could see somebody who doesn't know that stuff like feeling like the movie's talking down to him and it's like yeah no it's it's him it's his character he knows this stuff and this is stuff you can know like i don't know yeah it was just one of those things like in the 2000s where i think it's it's funny for me to go back and look at like hollywood footage from the 90s or 80s and stuff mm -hmm. and just hear and just think about how much conservative america feels like hollywood is this liberal cesspool of sin and it's like yeah but Hollywood was pretty fucking conservative. Yeah. And, like, had a lot of money and a lot of, like, government funding for military films. And it is kind of the core of America, like, fame and glitz and glam. And, yeah, but it's also occupied by artists who are writers and filmmakers. And they tend to be a little more liberal. And when one of your parties gets so much further right and also further away from the truth and in a position to go to war on false pretenses and all this other stuff then when movies comment on it they're like oh it's liberal Hollywood trying to attack middle America and it's like I feel like movies like this Charlie Wilson's War is bending over backwards to try to be like no we're talking about the whole country like yeah. people in power should not be allowed to do this and should do more here to keep the country safe and I'm not here to talk down to me now <laughs> it's just like <laughs> god damn it like so yeah it, it, to get back to that main thing it's, it's like I don't know maybe the movie should have just gone harder should have yeah. accepted what the truth is and like yeah if you don't get it or you don't know then fuck you learn more get educated dipshit but that's maybe me talking yeah uh, I don't know yeah 
anything else on this movie? No, I don't. I, I don't think so. Great movie. Highly yeah. recommend it. I Good it's watch. a comfort movie for me. It's one of those uh, the sit in your towel movies. Like if you're in a hotel yeah. room, coming out of the shower, you're still wet. It's on the TV. You sit on the edge of the bed and just dry off just by sitting there. Yeah. yeah. Like oh yeah, this part and then that part and then oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hell yeah. Um, I'll end this with uh, real quick. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm slowly getting through Guardians of the Galaxy three. And the MCU is fucking up. <laughs> Everything I've watched from them is just like, oof, I'm getting lazy, and just garbage C- CGI, lame story structure, acting is so just hammy and jokey and just non-committed. Yeah. And out of all the MCU movies, the Guardians of the Galaxy is like some of the better ones. And so when I got into this, I was like, damn, this feels like so by the numbers. And it made me a little concerned for James Gunn taking over the DCU and his new Superman. But I think it's more of an MCU thing. I don't think it's a James Gunn thing. I liked the Suicide Squad movie he did. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I don't know. So that's that's all I'll say with the comic book stuff. MCU <laughs> needs to like fix their shit. Um... I don't know if you really got time to get into movie news, which is fine. There's not much of it. But I will say that uh, Empire released an article where the headline is Marvel Studios VFX workers vote to unionize in historic move. Good for them. So they're going to unionize. I hope that they get on a strike with the writers and actors. Yeah. Because uh, they, VFX artists have been mistreated across the board for a really long time, so they deserve to be treated better and yeah if that means less superhero movies but ones made with a little more thought and effort it's fine by me i don't know anything else before we call it good no no i don't think so all righty um feel free to write us at the jacob wayne show at gmail.com tell us what comedy film you think really holds up and it's like pure comedy um i'll give a little bit of wiggle room there but i would say this one still is like kind of high premise so oh wait i got a perfect follow-up though groundhog's day always holds up yeah but that's high premise but another one of bill murray's that always holds up is what about bob and that is just straight up silly funny movie I don't know. It's hard to think of them. So feel free to write us at the show with any movies you'd like us to watch. Um, your favorite comedy movies of the past that have held up. Uh, anything else you want them to write in about, Dan? I don't think so. Alrighty. Well, good. next week is the 100th episode of the Jacob Wayne Show. Um, I'll have my buddy Dan for a segment and then Kellen should be here in Fort Collins so he'll be able to sit at this desk with me so that should be fun I will see y'all next time Ta-ta! thank you for listening to the Jacob Wayne show 
If you would like to contact us, please write us at fogkoshka at gmail.com. That is F-A-K-O-S-H-K-A at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Simply search The Jacob Wayne Show and it should pop right up. Make sure you like and subscribe and leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Please write us. It helps add content to the show and makes the show even better for you, the listener. Thanks for tuning in.